0: Waking up, America, from its woke slumber. Always Right Radio with Bob France on The Answer. 1033, good morning to you once again. Last week. We had an in-depth conversation with Dr. Robert Malone, the co-patent holder on the RNA technology that has been used to uh, supposedly battle COVID-19, but uh, in more uh, serious terms and more accurately to cause more harm uh, for people who have taken those RNA shots. Uh, As an example. The vaccines cause heart damage. It's called myocarditis.
1: I see this routinely in my practice every day. The U.S. FDA and regulatory agencies agree the vaccines cause myocarditis. That's heart inflammation. The genetic vaccines install the code for the lethal Wuhan spike protein,
0: and the spike protein damages the heart. That is not Dr. Robert Malone. That is Dr. Peter McCullough, who is one of the other true advocates for medical freedom, trying to warn everyone about the dangers of the MR, MRNA uh, profit shots, as I like to call them. Some people call them poison darts. Whatever they are, they are not vaccines. Dr. McCullough is a cardiologist, internist, scientist, co-author with John Leake of The Courage to Face COVID-19. Uh, and Dr. McCullough joins us now to get into the second round of COVID tyranny that is staring us. It's all right in the face Dr. McCullough thank you for the time how are you sir Thanks for having me it's good to have you. That, that uh, little clip that I played is one of uh, a short portion of um, testimony that you gave before in uh, Pennsylvania, before the Pennsylvania uh, State Senate. Um, can you tell me whether or not all of these appearances that you are making, are you opening the eyes and ears and the minds of the people who have um, uh, routinely, dis, uh, you, know, uh, uh, re, you know, basically stated that you and Dr. Malone and others cannot be trusted?
1: You know, I've published more on COVID 19 than um, I think virtually any other physician scientist in the world in the peer reviewed literature. Uh, I clearly have appeared on more media uh, outlets and more programs from ABC News to, you know, Fox and Newsmax have been a frequent contributor. Uh, I have the number one medical substack, Courageous Discourse, number one medical podcast, America Out Loud. McCullough Report, if you search Google, there's more hits on me than any doctor in the world. I uh, went on Daystar four times, hit about 1.7 billion people you know, per sets of shows. The bottom line is I've had a major impact. A recent Kaiser Family Foundation uh, survey, which is a pro-vaccine group, revealed a third of Americans think the COVID vaccines have killed tens of thousands of Americans, and indeed they have. So that's a third of the country. That's death. You can't get that back. So believe me, people know in, in, in my work and the work of others who are actively publishing and taking care of patients have made a big impact
0: yeah of that I have no doubt um, and, and it's just it 's mind blowing to me that people continue to try to discredit you and some of the other doctors like Dr. Malone and some of the frontline doctors that are trying to bring truth to this i, I don 't understand what possible motivation they could ascribe to you for going before the Pennsylvania Senate for going before congressional committees from going on uh, popular podcast and radio shows and so forth. What reason would you have to warn people away from this, and moreover, what reason do they have uh, to continue to promote these if it It's not profit and power, Dr. McCullough.
1: My reason is I'm a doctor because I took an oath to uh, preserve life and fight disease and above all, do no harm. So I published uh, the very first protocol on how to treat COVID, keeping people out of the hospital and avoiding death. McCullough protocol became the most widely used treatment protocol in the world. Now I've published the the most widely recognized detoxification protocol, the first and only, of how to get people out of problems taking these vaccines. I have over 70 peer-reviewed publications on COVID-19. So, And I'm a practicing doctor. I see and examine patients every day. So I've never been discredited by any person of my stature, no professor of medicine, no chief of uh, medicine, uh, no uh, dean, Uh, I'm one of the most published and accomplished physicians in the world. No one has attempted to discredit me. So uh, what we have is we have a biopharmaceutical complexity, basically a syndicate involving uh, multiple government agencies, NGOs, and pharmaceutical companies that are railroading a vaccine agenda on the world.
0: Doctor, we're talking with Dr. Peter McCullough, cardiologist, internist, and uh, and again, he is the uh, co-host of uh, Courageous Discourse with uh, with John Leake. It is a tremendous substack. Um, I want to play this clip of Dr. Gupta on MSNBC from two days ago and get you to respond to this. Real quick, if you will, who needs to get a booster and when?
1: So all of us need boosters. Um, So six months of age and up, uh, we're going to have boosters by the end of this month, hopefully. And those will protect, we believe, very strongly against these new versions of the virus.
0: Six months of age and up, Dr. McCullough. Six months of age and up. Everyone needs to get this new variation of the shot that they're saying is specifically engineered to deal with the new subvariant of COVID-19, which to me sounds like it's an entirely new shot then and should have to go through the protocols again to get approval, even under emergency use authorization from the FDA. What do you say?
1: The brand-new shots are coded against XBB 1.5, a subvariant of Omicron, that variant is now nearly extinct. It's less than 5% of strains. The current strain that we have is called ARIS or EG5. It's very mild, like a common cold, no fever, no pulmonary involvement. It's treated with nasal sprays and gargles. So, no, the vaccine is not needed by anyone. It has not gone through human testing. Uh, we have reason to believe it's probably as unsafe, in fact, even maybe more unsafe than the prior vaccines, So I sharply disagree with that, doctor. There's no evidence to support any of his claims that anyone should take the shot.
0: Is is American public health policy driving the pharmaceutical industries or are the pharmaceutical companies driving American health policy?
1: I believe this syndicate in my book, Courage to Face COVID-19, this syndicate of uh, government agencies, NGOs, or not-for-profit organizations like the Gates Foundation, and the pharmaceutical companies, they're working together and they're rewarding each other as they drive this vaccine agenda. You know, we've had nine out of the last 10 FDA commissioners get rewarded by jobs within this syndicate, this biopharmaceutical complex. That's thats what they're working for is their next job. We've had leaders from Denmark and now the United Kingdom, they take jobs directly with Moderna afterwards. After they've pushed the vaccines as public health uh, the agency directors, they take jobs with Moderna. So that's what's going on is they're taking care of each other as they railroad this agenda. And the, the people are profiting are the companies. Now, remember, a billion-dollar drug would have been a blockbuster, like Lipitor for, for Pfizer. Pfizer, in its first year of sales with the, their vaccine, $100 billion. So these vaccines blow away typical drugs. And this is a money frenzy right now. These are pre-purchased products. Uh, You don't even commercially buy them. They're considered government property. The government's pre-purchased them without competitive bidding. Things are out of control.
0: Dr. McCullough, one of the more recent uh, entries on the um, Courageous Discourse uh, sub-stack um, is about myocarditis. Um, it, this one is attributed to John Leake, the agency in the CDC. Uh, ignored or downplayed many communicates about myocarditis in 2021. You also spoke at that Pennsylvania Senate uh, 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 hearing. Uh, just a couple of months ago about myocarditis and about sudden deaths and about why it is that people who participate in physically strenuous uh, activities like sports, if they have myocarditis, are in such great uh, uh, jeopardy. And the fact that once it became known, they stopped testing for myocarditis once the shots started to be put into arms all across this country. Can you tell us more about the dangers of heart inflammation as a result of these uh, RNA shots?
1: In October of 2022, the FDA and its review of the vaccines said the vaccines were likely to cause myocarditis. In June of 2021, the FDA came out and said the vaccines cause myocarditis. That's heart damage. Our guidelines in cardiology say that athletes cannot exercise if they have heart damage. It'll trigger a cardiac arrest. That's exactly what's happened. The athletes have taken the vaccine and when they exercise, it will trigger a, a lethal arrhythmia and cause cardiac arrest. Now we have scores of cases, paper by Holscher and colleagues, I'm the senior author, have autopsy proven fatal myocarditis. So myocarditis is common. Two papers, one by Sugin, the other one by Buren, show that 2.5% of people who take the shots get heart damage, and then a smaller fraction will suffer a cardiac arrest. And that's what we're seeing in our athletes and public figures. Uh, the next person who dies if they don't have a clear-cut prior uh, fatal illness, like a, you know, a terminal cancer or what have you, very likely they've died because of the vaccine.
0: Dr. McCullough, you spoke um, also in that uh, Pennsylvania hearing of of the, the numbers when it comes to VAERS, Um and the number of deaths reported uh, as a result of vaccines. Um, prior to COVID and then once COVID began I don't have the numbers memorized but I remember being staggered by them um, and yet we continue to be told that those of us who say that the shots caused people to die uh, whether it be by cardiac arrest or any other other reasons we're the ones who are the conspiracy theorists can you give us a little bit more specific information about what VAERS showed then versus what it has shown since COVID
1: yeah so there's which records uh, all the safety events coming in from vaccines when doctors recognize mm-hmm. it and take the time and effort to report it. Uh, records what happens prior to COVID. The number of deaths per year across all the vaccines and half the country takes flu shots and and you know the the, the dozens and dozens of mandatory shots that kids take. The total number of deaths about 150 per year. It can happen a fatal allergic reaction, et cetera. Since COVID 19, the vaccine deaths. Skyrocketed. You, you know how many have occurred now since the COVID vaccines? Uh, oh, yeah. As of through August twenty fifth, twenty twenty three, they're at eighteen thousand and fifteen deaths of just Americans. Eighteen thousand and fifteen deaths of Americans who've died of the COVID vaccine. And then, importantly,
0: Doctor McCall, before you continue, are those autopsy verified?
1: N- no, they're not autopsy verified, but they are reported by doctors, largely who think the vaccines caused it. And in those, the CDC has a report I'm looking at right now, in those, about 1,100 of the 18,000, they occur right in the vaccine center or within a few hours after taking the shot. So, uh, you know, this has been uh, heavily uh, uh, analyzed, and it's concluded the shots are the cause of death. And you know, those ones that occur in the vaccine center, it's just obvious. They They walk in, they're fine, they take the shot, and they die.
0: Why is the FDA not revoking that emergency use authorization? And why didn't they revoke it within the first week or so of this being rolled out, considering the numbers that you are talking about?
1: They should have. You know, when Pfizer, under court order, Pfizer finally had to release their post-marketing data. Within a few weeks or a few, at least 90 days of release of Pfizer, there was 1,223 deaths. Pfizer recorded every one of them. People called them in and said, my, my mom or dad just took Pfizer and they died. And Pfizer should have pulled it. The FDA should have pulled it. You know, the FDA attempted to block that report to America for 55 years in court. So the FDA did not want to release the information. The FDA is not pulling these off the market. You know, this is a a railroad job on the public of taking a lethal vaccine.
0: See, that's why I asked what I asked you earlier, Dr. Peter McCullough, um, about who's driving the policy here, because I cannot understand how, you know, those who are entrusted with the policy that will, will help Americans live or die know this that there is a drug that is now being administered and, in fact, being encouraged and in for two years was mandated for federal employees and contracted employees and so on and so forth, um, mandatory to get onto a college campus, mandatory to go back to a school, all of these different things that were done if they know that's going on how are they not pulling it it's got to be a profit motive i mean i cannot prove it obviously and i don't know if anybody can but is that all we're talking about here is big pharmaceutical companies making tens of billions of dollars per fiscal quarter using some of those dollars to pay for the access to the public
1: it's hard to know i mean we'd have to see the money trail you know many of these people took the shots themselves so i think a lot of them can't psychologically handle the fact that the shots are causing death They've already taken it. The shots are inside their body. You can't get it out. It's terrifying. The average person who took the shot, if you talk to them about it, they'll say, listen, I don't want to talk about it. It just really turns their stomach. So I think there's a big psychological factor, too.
0: Did you ever consider taking the shots when they came out?
1: Never. No, the shots were never thought to be safe. I was the only public figure in America who published widely questioning the vaccines in the summer of 2020. I published it in The Hill. Widely read by the House, the Senate, the White House. And the title of my op-ed was The Great Gamble of These Vaccines. You're talking to the only public figure in America who questioned these. Everyone else was in a fear-driven trance. They lined up these shots. And then they took them. Now there's a world of regret.
0: What is your uh your your opinion or your impression of Dr. Malone who did take the sh- first two shots because this of course was technology he trusted he was you know partly responsible for the development of and then after the fact he said he told me directly that it almost killed him those two shots, and there's no way he would ever touch a booster because he does not want to die um what, do you have a do you have an opinion of dr Malone in his uh his response to all of this?
1: No, I don't have any opinions on him, but you know, I published a, um, a Courageous Discourse sub stack about uh, messenger RNA patents. Mm-hmm. And I summarized an important paper by Lee and colleagues. Now, this was in the August 22nd issue of Courageous Discourse. I, I titled it the Global Messenger RNA Patent Frenzy. But I, I want to let people know that patents go way back to the 1980s. And there's a total of 9,613 patent documents out there. And, uh, what we know is these are the the top inventors of messenger RNA, the the, the top uh, uh, ones. The first one is Sanofi, they've got uh, uh, 10,079 patent documents. Then it's CureVac 523, Moderna's got 323, BioNTech's got 245, and Evan- Inanta is 144. Now the U.S. government, Department of Health and Human Services, has 187. Those are the top six holders. So let me tell you, Inventing Messenger RNA is big pharma, big government business. Uh, There's not a single individual listed. So, um, you know, I can tell you, it's been big business for a long time. Our government has had a love affair with messenger RNA since the 1980s.
0: We are talking with Dr. Peter McCullough, if you just turned us on. Dr. McCullough is a well-known advocate for medical freedom. He's the co-author of The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex. I've got one more question on the shots and the new ones that they're trying to push on people, the new boosters, and then I want to get into other COVID protocols that we may be facing. Um, this one is going back to your substack, Courageous Discourse. The spike protein that is in the RNA uh, shots, and again, I hate call, calling them vaccines because they do not inoculate, but the uh, spike protein contained within those shots are now linked in addition to the myocarditis you referenced, pericarditis, blood clots, and so many other things, to Alzheimer's acceleration. Can you explain that?
1: You know, on paper I co-published with Dr. Stephanie Senna from, from MIT, uh, there is a strong theoretical basis for the vaccines potentially accelerating all Alzheimer's as well as Parkinson's, other neurodegenerative diseases, because the spike protein is in the brain. And in a paper by Marx from Germany, in a man with a Parkinson's who took three shots and his Parkinson's got worse, he died of fatal collapse of myocarditis, he had an autopsy, and the brain was loaded with the vaccine spike protein. So it, it becomes, uh, it folds, becomes an amyloid-like protein, and indeed, uh, you know, it's in the brain. So finding the spike protein in the brain from the vaccine is very worrisome, and uh, you, people should understand this. This is serious business. Alzheimer's and uh, as well as Parkinson's, other problems later on. They take a long time to develop, but they develop because of abnormal proteins folding in the brain.
0: These spike proteins, the fact that they impact and affect the brain and have been found in the brain um, is is staggering. But uh, prior even to that, we have known that they are affecting virtually all organs. Are they not? I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean they're killing every organ in the body, but every major organ is being infected by the spike proteins in some way or shape or form. Are they not?
1: Autopsy studies by Dr. Arnie Burkhardt, as well as Baumeier and Schwab. Uh, Again, everything I cite can be found uh, in the medical literature. It's on my Courageous Discourse Substack. They find the spike protein everywhere, brain, heart, adrenal glands, reproductive organs. And everywhere there's spike protein, there's inflammation and disease and damage occurring. It's very worrisome.
0: Liver, kidneys, lungs? Everywhere. Everywhere. It's it's remarkable. And and going back to the FDA's emergency use authorization to to push these, the first word comes to mind now i mean we are no longer in a global pandemic does the word emergency even apply anymore to to push and promote these uh, these new boosters i mean uh, how are we still in an emergency situation where these could still be um, available on the market
1: in my estimation the medical emergency really was over with january of 2021 when the hospital case count started going down i had already testified the u.s senate November 19th of 2020 introduced the McCullough Protocol. Once the protocols kicked in, we were able to clear the hospitals out. There hasn't been an emergency since January of 2021. There's still been COVID, but it's easily treated. Uh, the government extending the emergency to May of 2023 was completely unnecessary. Now the emergency has been dropped by the Biden administration, and the emergency use authorization products persist.
0: So yeah, that that's what I don't police... understand How are those still available? How are those being pushed on television by doctors, and how is big pharma able to able to continue this if the emergency portion of emergency use authorization has now been struck?
1: There's only one word corruption, Wow.
0: Yeah, I I guess that would be the case. And I just don't know how many Americans and, quite frankly, people around the globe who are who are being, you know, going to have these uh, these new shots pushed on them as well. This uh, subvariant shot um, don't don't understand the same thing. You know, there is no longer an emergency. Therefore, this emergency use is no longer approved by the FDA and therefore it should be taken away. Um, I want to pivot, though, if I can, Dr. Peter McCullough, to some of the other protocols. As you know, um, well, let me rephrase. I don't want to tell you what you know. You tell us what you know about the damage that was done by massive mandated masking of people of all ages, putting those things on for seven hours of a school day, eight hours of a work shift to be able to travel and so forth. All of the things that were done the first time around are starting to come back now. There are health institutions uh, and networks that are saying you must mask up to go into their facilities Um, schools are doing this all over again in various states across the country this is the beginning of what looks like a return to that same masking protocol can you tell us how that affects our health
1: a Cochrane analysis by tom ferguson first author uh over 80 studies masking doesn't work doesn't work at all even n95 masks don't work the cdc says the only time it's reasonable to wear a mask is when we go into the hospital in respiratory isolation period So there's no role for public masking. Studies show that the fibers are breathed into the lungs. It irritates the lungs. There's germs that collect in the masks. Uh, They impair childhood development, make people sick. So people should not wear masks. People should breathe fresh air. That's the best way to go.
0: You've testified before congressional and Senate committees. Do they understand this? Is, the, is there is there because people seem to think that, well, you know, even if um even if the masks don't help, they make people feel good. Let's go ahead and put those on anyway, because it's just a respectful thing to other people around you. Do they understand that? The, and when I'm talking about that, uh, I'm talking about the policymakers. Do they understand the health dangers in addition to the fact that they don't actually stop respiratory infection being spread? The
1: policymakers are not showing that they have perception and insight so they may listen to a hearing they may review data but they can't make intelligent decisions and so that's what we're really facing here right now an overwhelming amount of information showing that masks don't work people should breathe fresh air and yet recommendations now they're not coming down from the cdc the nih or fda or even the house or the senate but they're coming down through companies and schools and the leaders there you need to understand that even our CDC says don't wear a mask.
0: Dr. Anthony Fauci, who became America's doctor when it came to COVID protocols, um, Dr. Fauci says some of the studies show that masks actually do help cut down on the spread of of, uh, of COVID.
1: You know, he's not supported by the literature. He didn't cite a single uh, scientific study when he made that statement. In fact, what he said was, he said that masks work on an individual basis without yes. any support. So no, I wouldn't uh, follow Dr. Fauci. I have far more publications than he does, far more clinical experience than he does. He's he's a junior physician, even at, you know, over age 80. And at this point in time, America needs to move on. He's greatly misled the country. Uh, you know, there's been charges of, of fraud. It's obviously defrauded the uh, United States on the origins of SARS-CoV-2. His... His division at the NIH actually helped uh, create SARS-CoV-2. This has all come out in the House-Senate testimony. No, No one should trust the person who helped create the virus. Nobody should trust him on answers of what to do about the virus.
0: How did he earn that trust? How did he become the face and the voice of this entire thing? I mean, under President Trump, he was the trusted uh, voice, along with Dr. Burks. Under President Biden, he still was. How did he end up in the position of power and authority uh, that he got, especially if he was partly responsible for the development of the, of the virus?
1: It's a giant mistake committed and made by two presidential administrations. We should ask the administration officials why. Was he brought in to begin with? And why was he maintained? You know, both administrations have hired and fired people. They've reset the team. They always do. How in the world did that happen? I think people need to ask some hard questions of both administrations and, and potentially future administrations if they, if they call him back. People should be asking hard questions. How can CNN or MSNBC or CNBC, how can they have him on? when he's currently under investigation by the House Select Committee as defrauding the the nation.
0: That is a very fair question. And, and the last one I'm going to have for you, we, we, we have barely scratched the surface of all of the research you have done and all of the reporting you've done, uh, but I'll ask this to wrap this conversation up today. Um, does the WHO bear more or less responsibility for the protocols that have been so damaging than the United States, uh, the CDC and the United States Department of Health?
1: WHO bears more responsibility uh, because they have a global reach. And they should have never advised people take these vaccines. They're not safe. They're not effective. They weren't adequately tested. WHO uh, should be independent of all these vaccine manufacturers and the biopharmaceutical complex. They should have made the independent decision to say don't take the vaccines. They did that from remdesivir, and they were right. The WHO said don't use remdesivir for hospitalized patients because it doesn't work and it causes harm. They were right. The WHO said don't do testing in asymptomatic people. They were right, but the WHO made the wrong call on the vaccines, and, boy, they're going to basically pay the price for this you know, yeah. forever, I
0: think. Remdesivir, ventilators, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. These are all questions we didn't even have time for today, but I know you have a lot of great research and, uh, and, and information to share. I hope to have you back again, Dr. McCullough. I thank you so much for what you do. Please keep fighting for all of us. Medical freedom should be a, should be a given right to every single one of us, and I know you're fighting for that, and thank you so very much. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, that's Dr. Peter McCullough. Took us right up until the 11 o'clock hour. We'll take our news break here. We're going to want to respond to some of that when we can, but we have another guest coming up. I told you we were packed to the gills today, and we're going to talk uh, coming up in just a few minutes with uh, Chuck Barham of uh, Freedom Square. If you have not yet downloaded the Freedom Square app, do it before we get him on, and then you'll know what we're talking about. Stay here on Always Right Radio.